Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're giving you our early rankings for the tight end class in the 2023 NFL Draft. Such a unique position. So many different shapes and sizes, players that can impact the game, mainly as blockers, as receivers. How do we value each of them? Where do they fit? Who's going to the first round? Who's going top 50? Who's going to be those day three gems? We'll tell you all that. We'll give you our top fives and so much more. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Join you guys on a Thursday edition of the show where we are ranking some 2023 tight ends for the 2023 NFL Draft Class. As we have done throughout this little series that we're doing, updating our position rankings, Connor and I are going to give you our top fives of the position. We're going to talk about them, go from five to one, because of course, we got to build up the suspense of who's going to be number one. Although I do think the answer is kind of obvious in this class, but we'll also talk to you about some of the guys that we watch that are just out of the top five as well. So Connor, how are we feeling today, my man? I'm good, dude. This was a fun group to go through. It's It's got, I think, a lot of talent in the top four, I would say. And then there's, like most tight end classes, there's solid depth. And when you get into the five through maybe even 11 kind of range, there's guys that'll probably be able to crack a roster and hang on to the NFL for a while and develop in some areas. So I'm good, man. I'm still in Vegas. This is for those listening uh, or sick of seeing me in the hotel. This is my last stock exchange from Vegas. <laughs> I will be back. I will be back for our final. What matters most of the regular season when we record that Sunday evening. So mm-hmm. everything's good, man. Yeah, holding, holding strong out here. And apparently they call this place the gas. I I didn't know that. It's it's the last time you're going to be recording from a hotel unless, of course, you hit a massive jackpot, in which case we will be seeing you leave. on Monday with sunglasses on inside from your penthouse at the top of whatever hotel that you're currently staying at. So that's yeah, the only look way a that different. we can see you. <laughs> yeah, I'll actually like turn the laptop around and show the view if that happens and be like, oh, there's the pool 55 floors below me and um, there's the suite and instead, you know, I'm, I'm living uh, modestly, I guess mm. you can call it, in Vegas right now. Yes, a, a modest living right now, uh, although I don't know if that's going to happen. I really – fun fact, Trevor, I don't play cards. I don't play slots. Uh, I like roulette, but, like, that's not – Okay. I like roulette, and obviously I like betting on sports a lot, and you could do a lot of that here, but you could also do that when I go back to New York, New Jersey, or wherever in the tri-state. So I'm I'm kind of just watching the chaos of it here, to be honest. Sitting in a sports book, just watching 80 screens of obscure sports with a drink in your hand while your friends are elsewhere around the casino probably losing money is a wonderful feeling. It is a, a wonderful feeling. Oh, dude, you're just you're kicking back. It's a comfortable yeah. chair. This the sports books in Vegas are a wonderful time. Even if you can, even if you can bet in uh an area where you're from like is the case with you hanging out in the sports book is pretty great it's just you know you get to you you get to get together with some people and just like a table you know like you all be like okay well are we all just random strangers you're like all right we're all betting on the suns tonight right we're betting on the suns to win and then you all sit there and you watch the suns and if they win you go crazy and if not then uh you just go your separate ways and never see each other one quick thing before we get into the tight ends i was out to dinner um at caesar's and it's the palace for those that didn't know it's mm. uh, it's 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 just like the real palace but 
it um i'm eating dinner at you know quiet cool place and you just hear screw like a, a entire shout of the place and i looked at the bar tv and it was the Kings hitting a buzzer beater. And I'm like, yeah, that's the cool thing about being in a casino near a sports book is that people have live action and it literally comes down to the final seconds of the game and people scream and go crazy. And it's fun to see their happiness. It is. It is. It, it is wonderful to see it. All right, let's get into this tight end class. And I'll start off by saying this. I'll kick it to you. We'll get we'll get your number five guy in this class. We'll go from five to one. But I will say this. The end of the episode yesterday. You said, ah, you know, the top five is probably going to be pretty easy. You know, it's just solidified, and then it's okay after that. I had to think about it a little bit here. With, like, six and seven, I came to a yeah. very comfortable ranking, but I'm curious who your five is because of what you said yesterday where it's like, all right, yeah, you really like the top four or five guys. So who is your number five guy right now in the uh, in the 2023 tight end class? And I will say, looking at the Senior Bowl roster, which has some talent, I'm curious. That is a week that I go down to Mobile and I try to, like, contain myself and not overreact. But also, it does matter. And I think it matters for tight ends a lot. I think tight ends can really do – can show a lot down there, whether it's their fluidity, their hands, their physicality and blocking. So I'm excited to watch the Senior Bowl group and see if some of those guys move. Um, but number five, and you're right. Number five was definitely more fluid. I, I didn't write five and ink and I'm like, this is the guy I did think one through four. I would be a little surprised barring some kind of combine or crazy meltdown. If my one through four, if any of those four guys fell out of the top four, but number mm-hmm. five for me was Sam Laporta who okay. going back to summer, I think I had him as tight end four and now he's at tight end five. And with Laporta, to be honest with you, Trevor, going over my summer notes and writing my 2022 notes, not, there's not really a lot that changed in this game. Like, I think if he declared early, his draft projection is relatively the same. This is somebody in 2022. He had 53 catches, 30 of them went for first downs, 592 yards. He caught one touchdown. Oh, we know the shortcomings of the Iowa offense. Um, he had six drops on 82 targets in 2022. Mm-hmm. He did play all over, which was kind of cool to see. He had 27 snaps in the backfield, 338 yep. in line, 110 in the slot, 82 out wide. Uh, also played 39 snaps on the field goal slash extra point teams, which is always helpful. You're going to have to do that as a rookie. Uh, he had meniscus surgery after the regular season and, and you know, was very adamant about coming back for the bowl game. It, it, he seems like a guy that, you know, really, really, I hate this cliche, but he, he really does care. He wanted to come back to Iowa. He could have left early. Uh, he wanted to play through injury. I think teams will really, really like him. I wrote down, I didn't see a kill shot blocker in the run game. Like, it's not going to be like Kittle tape, but I thought his movement skills will thrive in a zone scheme. He can get to the spots he needs to get to. I really like that he has some experience blocking out of the backfield because I think with tight ends today that aren't these bona fide top 60 to 70 picks, that kind of versatility was something I thought Jeremy Rucker could do coming out of Ohio State. I think it really helps your chance to make a roster that – most NFL rosters don't carry guys that just play backfield, uh, play tight end. They can also play in the backfield. They can do a lot of different things in specials. The last thing I wrote away from my 2021 film notes was he's a jack-of-all-trades player. I didn't come away watching Sam Laporta and saying he's going to be a great receiving tight end. He's going to be a great blocking tight end. I kind of evaluate him as a tight end two in the league that you take in the third round kind of area, and he could be a solid possession guy. He can be a smart blocker that still needs to develop a little bit of strength in the blocking game, but overall a a solid 
back end of you know this top five tight end class yeah i also had him graded out as a late day two guy so really a a third round guy that's the grade that i gave him here i had him at number six so i mean i could just talk about him a little bit i was going to talk about him at some point with him being just outside of my top five it is funny because you you see a tight end in an io uniform and you just like your body your mind automatically goes to like, oh yeah, this guy can block. Like, I'm just going to check this box already. We're all good with it. But Laporta is, I don't want to say like, lighter seems like not the right word because he is 250. You know, he's listed at 250, but he just plays yeah. more like a receiver than he I does. feel like a lot of Iowa tight ends have in the past. And they do. No, 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 no. That's definitely, they ask him to be, you mentioned, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the snap counts because I was going to mention that. I mean, they put him out wide as a, as an ex receiver a lot of times. Like they'll, they'll run him in the quick game. They'll have him do quick slants. And they'll, be him, right, yeah. they'll, they'll just get him the ball in a lot of different ways. So he is more of a receiver than a blocker. And he's certainly a willing blocker, but he's just not nearly as imposing as somebody who you would, I think, just... You just naturally believe when they put on that Iowa helmet, and that Iowa uniform, you just feel like they're just, oh, yeah, they're going to be a monster in the, in the blocking game. And it's not – Laporte is not bad. I don't want to say that at all. But uh, he is more of a receiver. He's just got more of a receiver to his game. And it took me a couple of games for me to really be like, okay, that's actually his brand. He's not as much of an all-around tight end. I do think he's more of a receiving tight end than he is a blocker. But – I do agree with you. I think he's got that tight end two mold where you can use him in a variety of different situations. If you're a team that loves to use multi tight ends, if you're in 12 personnel, 13 personnel a lot, then he is somebody that I think could really give you a lot of pluses. He's not somebody where, even though I think he's better as a receiver than he is as a blocker, he's not a player that I think is like a liability, you know? So that's, Mm -hmm. that's where you get that all around label. I think that you have the freedom to play him in a lot of different situations Biggest issue with me for him outside of some of the drops, some of the drop issues that you kind of named there is when he is trying to separate and gain separation, he doesn't do so as well with his athleticism before the ball. You know, if he's just a route runner, he's not really a separator when it comes to route. Now, if you get the ball in his hands early, if you can get him involved in the quick game, he gets yards after the catch. He's a really nice yards after the catch player. He definitely does. But before that ball is in his hand, when he is just running his routes, the ways in which I saw him create separation the most are with contact at the break point right? Where if you're running a post or you're running an out or an in or whatever, you're just changing direction one way or another. The times in which he was getting the most separation are when he's really getting physical with you at the break of a route. And he's able to kind of like bump you the other way as he goes the other. If it was ever something where the the DB or the linebacker, whoever it was, was able to absorb the contact or even not take the contact, they were really staying hip to hip with them. There really wasn't a lot of separation, which is okay. Sometimes it's just the game of a tight end. But if you're looking for him to be more of a receiver, I think that that was worth noting about him. So I had him, I had him number six on this list. My number five, my number five was Oregon State's Luke Musgrave. So, so that's what it was down to for me. Okay. So this is, was he six for you? He was. And okay. Once again, this is probably the biggest like process guy for me, right? Because of the injury. Mm-hmm. I, I think that just, I'm really curious how you evaluated him because I, I found it very difficult to fully evaluate him while also being excited about what he can do when healthy. So redshirt junior from Oregon state, 
they've got him listed at six foot six, 250 pounds. So obviously really good length only played in two games this season. So you got to rely on a lot of his tape that he had from last year, but he's a really nice receiving tight end. He gives you, um, he gives you a, a lot of length and he gives you a big catch radius, which is fantastic. I also noted uh, while I was kind of looking up his background stuff, his father, Doug Musgrave played quarterback at Oregon while his uncle, Bill Musgrave uh, has been an OC in the NFL played quarterback at the NFL level um, from 1991 to 1998 for the Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers, Denver Broncos, Indianapolis Colts. So he's got some, he's got some NFL bloodlines to him, which is, which is great in high school. I also want to mention that he was a member of not just the football team, but also lacrosse track and ski racing. That's going to be something where when we get down to mobile, Did your high school have that <laughs> in Florida. Brother, we couldn't even spell snow in Florida. Florida was something we only, yeah. or it was our uh, snow was something we only read about. It was a fantasy. It was I'm from fiction. New York. We didn't have ski racing. That's something that I definitely want to ask him about when we get down to mobile. Um, I have questions. Yeah, for him or for me? Uh, no, yours is pretty cut and dried. I have some questions for him. Uh, so my my Spark Notes version of him as as a receiving tight end because he is more of that receiving tight end mold. Big, smooth athlete who can be a good receiving tight end at the next level. I think he's got some strength concerns with blocking and contested catches, but. That is stuff that can be improved. I think he's a good day two kind of a tight end. Didn't feel like he was a reliable pass blocker very much. There were a couple of games that were worse than others. Sometimes you could turn on some tape and go, okay, you can get away with this. Like he's he's okay blocking this game, but there are other games where I, you know, he's missing he's missing the target. Um, he can't square up guys between his shoulders. Like he's letting guys get by him, and it's just like it, it, it's kind of got to be better if you're going to be an in, in inline tight end that's relied upon in that realm. He is truly more of a receiver than he is a blocker so you could just emphasize that part of his game a little less knowing that he's actually going to give you pluses in the receiving game but that's kind of just the way that i saw him i think a lot of other people like musgrave more than i do and it's maybe it's the projection thing with him only playing two games this season and he played well right he's there's there's some reps where he was going up against Boise State and Fresno State in those two games early on in the season. That Boise State game especially, he had a couple of plays where he'd run drag routes and they'd get him the ball early. He'd get some good yards after the catch or you know they'd send him up the seam and he was able to really get a nice extended catch in between the linebacker and the safety levels. And he was very comfortable making catches in that area, which is very valuable. But uh, I didn't see... Like a like a rare athlete for the position for that job that no, he was asked no. to do, and I also just I didn't feel like he was as reliable as a blocker as it seems like some other people do. So I I know that some people have Luke Musgraves as a tight end two in this class, tight end three in this class, like a a potential fringe first round guy, a super early second round guy, and I'm not that high on him. So I've got him at five in this class. I see where you can use him. I see where he can help. He is a good receiving tight end. He can definitely have a role doing that at the NFL level. But in terms of how much you're getting him on the field, how much you're emphasizing him in an offense at the pro level, that's something that I feel a little bit more hesitant on than other people do. But I'm excited to see him in Mobile and see what he can do in that realm. Yeah, me too. I, th- I think this is a really big couple months for him. I, I guess for me, I just I don't have as high hopes in terms of projection and sounds like you're the same that some people do uh they're talking about him as a top three tight end in this class because 
I mean, yeah, there's only so much you can watch, even in 2021 with the lack of production and in and, and that offense. And it's not, I'm not saying it's his fall. I'm just saying um, what you can watch. You're projecting a lot if you're taking him as a top three tight end in this class. So he, he really needs a big couple of months. Hopefully he's fully healthy and we'll see what he can do. All right. This is where I thought kind of starts to get fun in the top four. I thought sure. there was a maybe a relatively sizable gap mm-hmm. to these guys from number five. Um I should actually double check, make sure I don't say. So number four for me is Dalton Kincaid. And Kincaid's been around college football for a while. He'll turn 24 in October of his rookie season. Uh, I actually thought he was going to be in last year's draft. So I've watched a lot of Dalton Kincaid for the last two years now. And I mean, here's the scoop with him. 70 catches, 49 for first downs, 890 yards, eight touchdowns this year. Only dropped two passes in 2022. I mean, this is somebody that, he has really, really good hands, honestly. He, if, if it's coming his way, um, especially in the middle of the field in the red zone, I thought he, that's where he maximized his catch radius. Uh, and I guess I should start with his, with his height and weight. That would probably help people that don't know. 6'4", 242, definitely a, a lankier kind of guy. This is a oh, so he, so he could host, So he, he could host the podcast. He, he actually Six, four, is two, right, he's right near the threshold. Yeah, he could host yes. the podcast. So, Dunk Kincaid, you are in the running for the NFL Stock Exchange host job. <laughs> I, I wrote this is where it got a little weird with him because you look mm-hmm. at the production, you're like, this guy's one of like tight ends in college football don't do this, right? What mm-hmm. he's doing. I, I think of Trey McBride having that mammoth year at Colorado State. You'd watch Colorado State and you're like, they just want Trey McBride to be the offense, and who could blame him? But a lot of time you turn on tight end tape, and we'll get to one that was like this, but they're just they're just not asked to be that vocal point of the passing game consistently. Like Kincaid uh, obviously was or he's not very sudden or twitchy, but he doesn't need a lot of space to make a play on the ball. I mean, he's one of those guys that if the timing and the anticipation is, you know, really well read by the quarterback in the route, he doesn't need a full step. He can kind of be a half step or a quarter step, and he's just going to use the long arms and his good hands to make a play on the ball. This is where I, I I called him a receiving tight end to start this evaluation. He he gets destroyed in the trenches. I mean, and, and I think this is what was more concerning to me. I don't think it's a lack of effort at all, by the way. I, I think Dalton Kincaid plays with great effort. He gets overpowered by D-line and linebackers, and DBs slip his blocks all the time. So that tells me that the athleticism and the strength is an issue where – it's not to hate on Dalton Kincaid. I just thought he was a very one-dimensional player at the tight end position. If you are leaving him in line in the NFL, I mean, you're setting yourself up for disaster, I thought. And he's going to be a 24-year-old in October. I don't think this is a part of his game that'll drastically grow. But if you're looking for that possession kind of tight end that can constantly move the sticks and make plays in the red zone, I think that's his key role at the next level. And that's a very important one. And that's why I think he'll be drafted in the first three rounds of next year's draft. Man, okay, so I I think, well, I think that we saw his strength similarly. I think I just believe in him a little bit more than you do. I, I've got him as tight end three, so I've got him one spot higher. Um, I have him behind my top two guys, which we'll get to. But I I I felt like his tape this year was good, man. I, it I was. give it give yeah. a little give it a little bit of a, of a background to him. And you mentioned you know he's going to be twenty four his rookie season in the NFL. This was a zero star recruit coming out of high school a zero-star recruit. He played just one year of high school football for a high school that ran the wing T offense, only ground and pound. I mean, he is, a, like Connor said, 
I think he's better as a blocker than Connor's given him credit for. But like putting Dalton Kincaid, a high school version of Dalton Kincaid, as a pure blocker in a wing T offense, like it's just there's there's nowhere to shine. So he actually played at San Diego, not San Diego State, San Diego, an FCS school for the first two years that he was playing college football before he transfers over to Utah. So he has really been kind of building up to this moment. So it's not like he's been at the program for five straight years and it took him a long time to break out. Like it has definitely been a slow burn for him, but I think he's playing really, really well. One of the highest graded offensive players that we had in college football last season, 91.1 overall grade, 92 receiving grade. That was the highest receiving mark that we had at the tight end position last year in the FBS. Yes. Higher than Michael Mayer. Run blocking grade and pass blocking grade, 61.0, 57.2. You mentioned the receptions, 88, uh, sorry, 66 receptions on 87 targets. Connor, one drop, one drop yeah, all season great, long great hands. with that much production. 26.1 threat percentage, which is a wide receiver usage, which basically goes into how often are you being targeted per route that you run. So he's at 26.1%. That's a good number. Contested catch percentage above 50, 52.9, which you love. I, I just, I think I like the athleticism a little bit more, a little bit more than you did even. Yeah, I know that you said that that's where he's going to boast his game. He's a receiving tight end, and I totally agree with you. If you're going to draft him and you're going to use him in the NFL, it's going to be for his receiving ability. But I think he's smooth. I think he's sudden. I think he, he makes people miss in the open field a lot better than I thought. He gets the ball very quickly. He knows how to miss, make, that might make those guys miss in the open field. So I think he's got good athleticism both before and after the catch. And when it came to blocking, there's definitely some reps where you're going, okay, like this, this is, uh, this is not great. In fact, one of the, one of the little blurbs that I have is reckless and at times dangerous in run blocking technique has bad tendencies to put the crown of his helmet straight down when making contact doesn't trust his strength causes him to miss target points he's got bad leverage and just overall dangerous to his posterior chain when that happens there's also a handful of times where he'll be lined up as a wing back and he'll be doing a split zone flow and he'll be going to take on the end man in the line scrimmage on the other side and instead of squaring him up and really getting in there as a blocker he'll just like turn his head and throw his shoulder and i think that is the part where i agree with you that he doesn't trust his strength but there are other times when i watch him square up i watch him get his base i watch him get his hands underneath the armpits of where he needs to go and just hit and make the right hand placement and he blocks well and he makes impactful blocks and so i see those and maybe i'm a little bit more of a sucker for those and say give me that give me that kind of consistency let's get a little bit stronger at the nfl level and i think you could be a more reliable blocker as well as a really good difference making wide receiver so i had him at number three i love what dalton kincaid brings to the game and i think the best football is still even yet to come for him. Uh, whether you are a team that uses multi-tight ends or even if you're a team that's just using one tight end, but you love to use him in the slot. I think that he could uh, be that kind of a player for you. So that's why I had him at number three. I- I'm curious, who did you ha- who did you have at number four? Or who did you have at number three? Because I feel like it's going to be the guy that I have at number four. I think we're on Tucker Craft here pretty yes, comfortably. Yes, so I'll, I'll yeah. let you go with Tucker Craft. You've got him at three. I've got him at four. So we're flipping spots once again. Yeah, with Tucker Craft, I just thought, uh, number one, I love his size and strength. I I watch him in the open field, and this was somebody that they liked to get the ball in his hands. He got banged up this year, so he didn't have the same production. And I want to pull up his production as I start this as well. I'll I'll give you a second because I forgot to to say South Dakota State, redshirt junior, tight end, Tucker Craft. 
lines up at let me make sure i got the measurables right six foot five 255 pounds so a healthy young man as uh benjamin solak used to say on lockdown nfl draft but there you go i hopefully that bought you a little bit of time i wanted to make sure that we told people where he was from and what his uh, measurables were thank you con sir that was perfect uh so tucker craft he you know, in the South Dakota State offense, he's that dude. This year, he had mm-hmm. uh, 25 catches for 318 receiving yards on just 35 targets. Because, like I said, he was hurt. He he really uh, missed most of the more than like the first half of the season. He did catch three touchdowns. Over 100 of those yards were after contact of those 300 plus 25. Out of those 25 catches, 13 went for first downs. So you pull up 2021 where you know, he had a bigger season. This dude was really impressive. He had a 90.1 receiving grade from PFF. He had 65 catches on 84 targets for 770 receiving yards, over 400 after the catch, uh, 220 after contact. He caught six touchdowns. He caught 41 first downs. This dude was just a receiving machine. And it's not the kind of receiving machine where you look at it and it looks like he's just dominating lower level competition. I think this guy is going to translate and you'll hear so much of a connection for obvious reasons to Dallas Goddard, who went to the same school um, and the same process they're going to have and the kind of players they are. And I don't know if he's, I actually don't know if he's the same level of talent as Dallas Goddard and, I, and what I can, Goddard. I can definitively tell you my opinion. I don't think he is. I don't I, think so either I because I think Goddard, I don't think he's Goddard's level. I do not think he's Goddard's. I, level. I don't think so either, and I think the answer is not really. Uh, that's not an insult to Kraft. It's that Goddard's no. really freaking good. So and, and Goddard's tape at SDSU was hilarious. Man amongst, it, was it was man amongst boys. Hilarious what he was doing to this level of competition. And Kraft's tape is good. It's not yep. God, it's not it's not Goddard level. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that was no, uh, no, I was going to say that anyways. He's not Goddard for me. Um, no, I'm glad you said it. Um, I think he's a total beast after the catch. I think he is somebody where you could draw up some of those Kittle kind of plays where mm-hmm. you want to get him in space and get him running after the catch, tight end screens, work him up the seam. I, I was really impressed with him as a receiver. I, I just think he has physicality. I think he has enough athleticism. I think I, I think he'll test better than Kincaid. Um, I, I really liked watching this guy. I thought he was – you don't. Okay. Um, I think he's bigger. Like He is significantly more filled out, I thought, than a guy like Kincaid and even Laporta. Um, I, I think he has an NFL body today. I think he's going to be a solid run blocker. I think you can trust him a little bit in line, even though the level of competition is going to be a huge jump, and that's always one of those really hard things to read. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to double-check. He's definitely going to – is he going to the Senior Bowl? I don't know, think there's an accepted – I don't think I saw him on there. Which is strange. I, th- I thought like I only saw Musgrave. He's um, not on this list Davis I have Allen up right now. And Kincaid. I wonder if he's still really beat up even after coming back. So he's somebody I would love to see at the Senior Bowl, honestly. And I, you know, I don't want to make assumptions. Uh, I, I would assume he was well worthy of an invite. He's that level of a prospect. I think he's going in the top sixty. So yeah, to sum it up, Trevor, I, I was really high on this guy. Um, I mean, obviously, landing spot will be huge for him and how you use him. But I, I thought his physicality after the catch is is not a unique weapon because the two guys coming up is how I would label that, but it's pretty dang good. Yeah, I would I mean I, I would love to see him at uh at an at an all star event. Is he in the is he in the Shrine Bowl? 
Can you look that up? I guess while I'm while I'm talking a little bit yeah, about him, I will I, check that I, one. I didn't, I'd I didn't be shocked. Think that he was, but um, he's a redshirt junior, so I figured that he'd be eligible for both games. Um, that's a, and that's an assumption I was making. So, you know, yeah, they say about assuming he's a. <laughs> Makes sense out of you and me. Um, so the strength in his game, I mean, I think that you, no you, high, you, you, high, no, okay, all right. Well, I, he must not be eligible then. Combine, baby. Let's see, let's see the numbers at the combine. That's what we want to see. Look, he, he looks like he's playing at a different level. You mentioned that you, you, you don't feel as though he's just succeeding because he's playing at a lower level competition, but when you find an NFL guy, playing at lower level competition you want to see them dominate he absolutely does and he's just a dominant player he looks like a pro amongst guys who all due respect are not going to be and and that's what you need Mm -hmm. to see i think out of this player especially somebody who a lot of people think could be a day two pick in this trap which i agree the frame supports inline blocking and connor i'll tell you i don't know if you watch the villanova game specifically but he blocks his ass off in that villanova destroys people yeah, were, I think that that might have been his highest graded blocking performance, if I recall correctly. There were I was so I watched three games of him, and the two games prior, um, I can't remember what they were off the top of my head. I'll have to check it. He was fine as a blocker. It's not like he was super imposing as a blocker. There were a couple of reps where I was like, "Yeah, man, you're letting these guys get around you a little bit too easy." There were a couple of reps where I was like, "All right, now you know, Lee blocking, pinning guys, able to create space and running lanes." So there, there were. There was good and bad. And then I threw on that Villanova game, and I'm like, who insulted your mother before this game? Like, it just, it was like a completely different dominant yeah, like kids. blocking performance. So um, I, I think that seeing that, especially on his tape, makes me go, okay, now we got something here as a guy who could be a full-time tight end, as an inline guy, a slot guy, whatever it is. It's a good athlete for his size. For his size. I mean, they even scheme stuff up for him. They're throwing him tight end screens because they want to get the ball in his hands so quickly. The weaknesses I have about him are now I want to, I want to preface it by saying this. A lot of guys will, you know, you'll watch wide receivers and then you'll watch tight ends afterwards and you go, wow, this guy's, you know, this guy's stiff. It's just, that's a tight end mold, right? You're carrying a lot more weight. You're a lot bigger. It's just tougher to do that. Now there is still difference between a guy who looks more flexible, a guy who can really sink his hips, a guy who's got really quick feet, a guy who could flip the hips very fast and change direction. You still see that for some tight ends, but on average, it is quite a bit slower. So you just have to keep that in mind. Even with that in mind, I do feel like the routes for Kraft are not super refined right now. They're very rounded. It's almost kind of like he's just playing his own style out there. Well, he can get away with it at that level. He can get away with it at that level. I don't think he's the athlete enough to be able to get away with that in the NFL. So then that worries me a little bit. Are you going to run routes that rounded in the pros? Because if you are – I don't know if you're an athlete enough to continue to have separation. So then you're just, you know, the, t- the coverage is going to be a lot tighter. You're going to have to make a living out of contested catches, which is okay. I mean, he's strong. He's got the frame to do it, but that ultimately goes into the projection for me. So spark notes version of him. I said, he's a good all around tight end who has a lot of the tools that you would want for a three down player at the position, lack of flexibility and some drop issues for him are in his scouting yeah. report. But overall, this can be a starting tight end in the NFL and a player who I think will end up going in the top 60, which I think he's just good. I think he's going to be a second round pick. That's what I believe. I think he'll probably end up being oh, a late so second too. round pick. 
So that was my Yeah, prediction. I think so too. It wouldn't even shock me if he fell to the third. I, I think one thing I wish he was a little better with, I wish he had great hands. And I thought he had average hands. Yeah, when do you have seven drops? Was he in 2021 he had seven drops? And, and you watch him and some are like, you gotta catch that. And then some are like, that's a lollipop throw that's he's reaching behind <laughs> him. You know how that level goes. Um so, but I, I thought he had average hands. I, when a guy is the criteria that you just said, right? Like I think a Trey McBride to bring up a recent example, who just sure. had a, who just had his best game of the season, by the way, last week. Um, yeah. Well, where would you, who would you rather have Trey McBride or Tucker Kraft? McBride. Yeah, I would too. And where'd McBride go? Second round. Yeah, right? exactly. Which is why I think Kraft actually goes in the third. Um, what was, what would, what did McBride where, where did McBride go? Did he go? Arizona. I'm gonna, I'm, you don't know, but I'm going to guess what number. I'm going to say 53. It was later than we all expected. What do you guess? Like you it, was guess? The, it was the back end of the second round. I think he went 50... I said 53. 55? Oh, it's 55! You got it. On I, the yeah, I, I, rem- I remember some really worthless things in life and forget <laughs> a lot of really important things. Great, incredible skill set. The James Bond of worthless information. <laughs> uh, so... So, yes, I, I would take McBride over him because, Trevor, yes. I think they are very similar before and after the catch. But at the catch, I thought McBride was excellent. And I think Kraft is extremely average. So I'm, I kind of see him the same as you. Um, I think I just like the ceiling more than Kincaid. Can we can we start to have some real fun here? Sure. And do two and yes. one. Yes, we we can get into two and one. I have a I, I've I've got to believe that our two and one are exactly the same here. So uh, who you got at number two? I'll let you. I'll let you start it up. Darnell Washington and I really liked Darnell Washington over the summer, mm-hmm. but I didn't even think this rise could happen. And do you remember where you had him in the summer? I don't. Um, I just remember poking you in the ribs that Eric Gilbert was the third best tight end on his team. That's all I remember saying. <laughs> so... and, I, and I remember screaming at you saying, yeah, it's because Darnell Washington and, uh, and Brock Bowers are the other two tight ends. It was an excellent troll job that really had no merit. Um, it's like, uh, it's, it's like somebody being like, uh, with, like with the Golden State Warriors, if you were to be like, oh, Clay Thomas is like the third best scorer on his yeah. own team. Yeah, it's because Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are above him. You idiot. Oh, man. Steph Curry can't shoot. Um, they told me Steph Curry know, can't I, shoot. You know why I think I I liked Washington so much? And this is a thing that you need to be very careful with in scouting. First off, the man is six foot seven, two sixty five. If you listen to the summary value, you, you know plenty about him. Uh, he had 26 catches this year. 21 went for first downs, 417 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't allow a pressure on his 28 pass blocking snaps. And Trevor, there are matchups on tape that I watched against Gervin Dexter and BJ Ojolari. Like this dude isn't just like pass blocking, like blitzing safeties. He's pass blocking guys that are going in the top 50 of the draft, <laughs> like a tackle, like a freaking tackle. So I was like, whoa, this is where I wanted to go back and and you know try to be careful as I come to a final eval and grade and where he should go. Part of the reason I loved him so much is that he's one of the most unique players I've ever evaluated. Mm -hmm. There's just not guys 
we always like not we, but a lot of people always like to make the joke of you know like what if LeBron played basketball, right? Or like a somebody that was just has this unique size and strength profile that we just don't see consistently at the position. And Darnell Washington fits that model of he's six foot seven. He's probably going to play at two sixty. He can run like the wind. He loves to block. He will block off the line on the line in the backfield he'll throw you out of bounds i just i mean he moves people like a tackle but he's built like a lab created tight end and the reason why i don't know if he's a first round player besides the position is that with tight end you do need to have a plan and Darnell Washington has never been the featured passing attack kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And you often need to be that to be a first round tight end in a lot of front office molds. It's almost this is like a dumb thing. If Darnell Washington went back into the first, I'd be like, I love the player. I don't know how I feel about the pick. If Darnell Washington goes anywhere in the second round, a.k.a. second selection is what I'm trying to say. It's an A plus. Like, I just absolutely adore it. And I feel like that's kind of stupid at face value, but that's something that just I kept thinking back to him is I don't think he's a luxury. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I think that you need to be a very specific kind of offensive coach to maximize taking a player this high, because I think he's going in the top 40 selections. And I just think there's not a lot of guys built like this that have the film that he does that can be your sixth offensive lineman. I genuinely mean that your sixth offensive lineman, mm-hmm. but Oh yeah. He can also smoke your linebacker up the scene. I, I do think there's a chance that he could be a back end of the first round guy. Oh, I, I, I do. I do. I, I completely agree with you that in order for be a tight for you to be a tight end who goes in the first round, you genuinely have to be somebody who you think you could build a passing attack around, right? Let mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna list off the tight ends that have gone in the first round um since the 2021 draft. Okay. Kyle Pitts, receiving tight end. Noah Fant, receiving tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Okay, they picked him at eight because they felt like he could be an all-around monster, but gave you receiving ability. You thought you could build an offense around him. Um, Hayden Hurst. Receiving tight end, Dave Njoku, receiving tight end, Evan Ingram, receiving tight end, hell, basically a wide receiver. OJ Howard, yes, they drafted him because of his blocking ability, but they also drafted him that high because they believed that the best is in front of him as a receiver and they could believe he'd be a tight end one. That's kind of where you're at with if Darnell Washington is going to go in the first round, it almost feels like the storyline has to be that of OJ Howard. And I'm not saying that they're the same prospect, but OJ Howard came into the NFL and came through the draft process, I guess I should say, as this guy is a beast of a blocker. This guy is another offensive lineman on the line of scrimmage. He's somebody who can really shore up the run game wherever he is, however he's aligned. But then there were the questions of, okay, well, why didn't Alabama really use him as a receiver? And then there was the bowl game against Clemson when he had like a gajillion yards on like four catches and that massive yards after the catch play. And people just go, see, this is it. You could look what you can do with him. Darnell Washington yep. doesn't have that moment. Too. Right. And so like Darnell Washington doesn't have that moment. I mean, the, the Oregon play. The hurdle where, play is where, where you're going to see. That's the one yeah. That but, might be, that might be the one that everybody's mind goes to, but like without those couple of moments, 
I don't know if somebody's going to be able to convince themselves enough to take him in the first round. Maybe you do with one of those playoff caliber teams that are looking for those rare luxury picks at the back end. You're putting your hand. Do you have a do you have a team or a take or something? I have a question for you that okay. I'm trying to figure out the answer. Does him playing on the same team with maybe the best, the most complete tight end prospect we're going to see, Brock Bowers, who's not eligible, impact that projection? Like if yeah. you put Darnell Washington on any other non-Georgia Notre Dame team, doesn't don't you go like like is that an excuse a fair excuse for him? I don't know. I don't really. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a hot take, but like, I don't think him playing behind Brock Bowers actually hurts him that much, because we we'd be talking about the same strengths and weaknesses. Maybe he. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. Maybe he would get more production as a receiver if he was somewhere else and they were just force feeding him all the time. But in my mind, the biggest asset that he brings to the game is still being that that sixth offensive lineman i have the exact same words written down on my yep. scouting report and as a receiver i don't know it kind of felt like georgia emphasized him a lot as a receiver this year they sure. didn't the, they didn't the year before and so going into this year i didn't have a lot of faith that they were going to really increase that role but they kind of did and i i don't know is he getting what was his final stat line for this year it was 25 catches 400 yards 50% contested completion percentage, 17.8 threat percentage. I guess maybe like the numbers would have gone up a little bit, but would the averages have been that much higher? No, that's a good they, point. It's, I don't know if they the would heat, be. Yeah, he's so, utilized. So, he's I, utilized. I, yeah, I, I feel like he was utilized plenty, but this is a unique player. This is an extremely unique player. Background for anybody who doesn't know a lot about him, five-star tight end from Las Vegas, Nevada. Chose Georgia over Bama, Florida, Tennessee. Played defensive end and tight end in high school, as you would hope, with a guy that's that big. Um, also noting that he started at power forward for the state championship basketball team um, in the sense. 3A class. So uh, Also was the shot put guy in track and field. Want to make sure that I say that. He My, my spark notes for Darnell Washington – Rare athlete for a player of his size. More of a blocker than a receiver, but he gives you plenty of impact in the receiving game when you utilize him in those moments. Also an incredibly impactful blocker in the pass game and the run game. Um, Not somebody that you could shrug off in coverage. A true unique player that should absolutely be a top 50 choice. So 50, obviously, you're going a little bit into the second round. That's what I think the range for him is, that fringe first round, second round. If I'm a team, if I'm a team like... I'm with you all the way. You know, if the Titans, you know, if the Titans offensive line didn't totally stink now, I would have loved for the Titans to draft him if they were going to make be a playoff team, right? Um, the Ravens. The Ravens are another team that you think of and you just go like, damn, that'd be that'd be fantastic to get him there. Shoot, when did the Falcons pick at the top of the second round, right? Oh God, watch out. You get but but I'm saying like if you get Kyle Pitts and you get Darnell Washington, Arthur Smith's your coach. Like Arthur Smith's gonna want to run heavy multi tight end stuff. All of a sudden, like you're running yeah. their. Can you imagine a world? I'm not saying this is right. Nobody come after me for this. But can you imagine a world in which the Atlanta Falcons draft Bijan Robinson with their number nine overall pick, and then draft um, Darnell Washington in the second round? Arthur Smith it's would never pretty, leave. Arthur, Arthur Smith no, would never leave. He would he never just, throw the ball. He, he would just, never he throw just, the ball. He'd he, he never leave Atlanta. He'd just be in Atlanta forever. He'd die in Atlanta. I don't and know. And he'd, he'd see he'd see ten man boxes till the end of time. 
and he'd welcome them. He'd welcome them. Yeah, he's still run the ball. Oh man. So yeah, it's right. fun to it's fun to think about where he's gonna land. Uh Darnell, let us know in the comments what you guys think about Darnell Washington and some perfect places that you would love to see him land. I would love to, to hear that from everybody. Michael Mayer is uh is is both of our tight end ones. Am I not stealing out? Am I, am I stealing your thunder there? The Notre Dame tight no, end, Michael please, Mayer. Go, 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 go. Where's number 87? Uh, they've been calling him Baby Gronk for the last three years. Six foot four, 265 pounds is what they have him uh listed at. Uh, this is just a it, he's just a fantastic tight end. He just understands the position so so very well. This past year had an elite ninety one point seven receiving grade, uh, also had an eighty two point oh blocking r- run blocking grade specifically sixty five point four contested catches with for as much uh, work as he is getting with a thirty five or thirty point five wide receiver usage. That's a uh, that's that's a really nice contested catch number for Michael Mayer. He's just so natural as a receiver. He understands the position so well. He gets route running. He gets soft spots in the zone. He can set guys up. No, he's not the most fluid athlete in the world, right? And that's why we're not talking about this guy as a potential top 10 pick. And there's certainly reason to believe that he could be in the top 20 of this draft because I think he's going to be viewed as one of the most complete players. But he's not that rare kind of athlete that's going to bring it to you, right? I feel like the yards after catch ability for him is going to be very limited in the NFL. I'm not so sure he's going to be a great separator at the NFL level either, but he's got phenomenal hands. He understands how to be a hands catcher, fully extending his catch radius. He knows how to box guys out with his size. Like I said, he gets uh, finding the soft spots in zone coverage. He knows how to manipulate defenders in certain ways with different, we, I see him all the time, do these shoulder shimmies and try to set people up with his shoulders just to put his foot in the ground and go the other direction. Now it's not as quick as some other tight ends for it might be, but it's plenty adequate for him. He's also an eraser in the run game, man. He'll definitely move people. He's not quite Darnell Washington, but he could certainly move people. And so for that reason, this is the tight end one in the class, even without him being an elite athlete, He's the most reliable one that you got. And if you need a player who is going to be a full-time starter for you, every list is going to start with Michael Mayer, I think. I'm with you all the way. Uh, he's a top 10 player for me. I had him seventh on our summer board, on my summer board. I know we had him high on our combined board. Mm-hmm. I don't think he moves from there. It definitely doesn't move down. He's just great. He's He does everything effectively and more. I think he's a monster in the eight to 15 yard range. I I mean, if you just need a safety blanket to lean on for first downs, this is the guy. And Mm -hmm. I think you can ask his ability to handle any role. Like if your slot receiver is out one week, he could play the slot. If your tackle is out one week, you could park him next to a backup tackle and help that guy while still having him be effective wide receiver. There's just, He's worth a top 20 pick, and there's going to be arguments over the whole positional value thing. He's one of the better tight ends we're going to see for a really, really long time. I think he's going to be um, – I'm actually fascinated to watch, not to get too off track, to watch valued in Dynasty because the tight end position is so grim in fantasy, and the really good guys like Kelsey are getting older, where like this is this could be the dude for – five to six years and it might happen very very early on in his career but it's tight end so you just you just wonder where is he going to go how is he going to be used um man and the the landing spots have changed so much right you pull up like tankathon and just talk about where mayor can go i mean green bay is interesting if they lose 
I have it up. They're at 16. If they lose Green Bay, which I don't think they will, but we'll see. I really like Green Bay as a landing spot for him. I mean, hell, I wouldn't be shocked if the Texans considered him at 12. I really wouldn't. They're just no, trying he, to get really good really good players in there. He definitely should not do that, but... Really? You'd be against that? The Texans drafting Michael Mayer? Yeah, they need way too much. They need way too many other they things. Need, and it, they need it's, talent. And it's not even like a Michael Mayer thing. Like, I just... You sure. need... You need talent in both trenches so badly that I'm I'm not I'm not using twelve on a tight end. So no, I I, I wouldn't be doing okay. that. But okay. um and Green Bay is a good landing spot for him. I don't think Detroit's gonna do it. Like what about Jacksonville? It just depends how much they like Evan Ingram, because Evan Ingram's actually been giving them some good return it's on free investment. Agent. It's true. If they don't bring him back, then certainly Trevor Lawrence to Michael Mayer could be uh could be could be money. So I could definitely see I, I that there. I think they need more size out of their pass catchers, but they don't need somebody to come in and play wide receiver because they have three good ones, counting Calvin Ridley. Huh? And then you let Alvin, uh, you let Evan Ingram walk, who's really a true move tight end, and you get more physical up front with Michael Mayer. Jacksonville would be my dream spot, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I then actually, there's always like the absolute pain in the ass of New England knocking at the door, which I know is a low-hanging fruit, but when you look at where they pick and if they lose to Buffalo and they're picking 15 to 18 or whatever it is, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to take Michael Mayer. We're not talking about that until we have to talk about it. But I agree. Mayer's, Mayer's a great. Oh, yeah, go ahead. New York Giants. Really good landing spot. Yeah, but they, how much do they believe in Bellinger? I guess like Cody Bellinger probably shouldn't stop you from taking Michael Mayer. If a lot of the receivers, no, no, it's a tight end too. I mean, that'd be a good kind. That that all of a sudden be a really nice tight end room if you got Bellinger and uh, Mayer because Bellinger's been playing good this year. They need receiver though. I think sp- like specifically wide receiver. They do, but if nobody's you available, can't, you can't you can't create what might not exist. That's my issue for the Giants. Like the Giants are making the Giants made the playoffs. So what's I mean? They'll be I, I'm. I wonder the disparity of the talent of wide receiver where the Giants pick towards the end of the first round, middle end first round, to the wide receivers that are there on day two. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a fascinating debate. I, I, I can't wait to start to do these podcasts where we have the order set. We know exactly yeah, what it's going to be. And we get to, we get to we get to talk about the team needs. So those are our top fives. Um, I'll recap my... Uh, my five here. At number five, I had Luke Musgrave, the tight end from Oregon State. I had Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State at number four. Dalton Kincaid from Utah at three. Darnell Washington at two. And Michael Mayer at number one. If you guys are wondering like what the tiers might be for these players, I have Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington in tier one. I have both those guys in tier one. Um, I've got Kincaid. Uh, I've got Tucker Kraft. And I've got Luke Musgrave in tier two to round out my top five and then i have sam laporta in tier three right behind him i have cade stover from ohio state also in tier three and then at the end number eight i watched eight of these guys so i do want to get to a couple more of them but um davis allen from clemson i have him at uh, number eight and i have him in tier four it's the the bottom tier that i have so far i didn't i didn't love davis allen uh sam shout out shout out to sam he hit me up on Instagram and he wanted us to watch yep. Davis Allen. And so um, I got some eyes on him. 
he's fine. Again, he's a guy who's going to the senior bowl. So I think that he has a chance to really stand out there. I certainly looks the part. He's six foot five, 250 pounds. He's experienced as an inline player. He's got a decent amount of experience there. High contested catch percentage. I think he's contested contested catch percentage, excuse me, was over 90%. Now he didn't have a ton of contested catch opportunities, but he reeled them in whenever he had that opportunity. So uh, he's reliable in that regard. Only had three drops on 87 uh, catchable passes, which is, which is good to see. So he's got good hands, but didn't think he was, I didn't think he was very dense when he was showing up in the run game. Just didn't really seem to pack a punch. He could get in front of guys, you know, he can get in the way of players and block guys off, but he wasn't holding on to blocks too long. Um, Sam was mentioned in that NC State game. He was an eraser in the in the blocking game. That was his best game that I watched for sure, but the rest of it I wasn't super impressed with. And I just kind of think he's a middling athlete. So he wouldn't really stand it out to me as a blocker or a receiver. And if that's the case, you really start to get lost because there's a lot of tight ends that do come through uh, every single year. And um, I've got Allen as kind of a day three pick right now, and it's just almost like, a, hey, how does he do in interviews? How does he fit in your system? Do the coaches like him? If that's the case, that could be the difference between him being like an early day three guy, a uh, mid day three guy, something like that. So um, that's what I thought of uh, of Davis Allen from Clemson, but I wanted to, to make sure that I got my thoughts out there as well. No doubt. Yeah, my top five was Sam Laporta at five, Don Kincaid at four, Tucker Craft at three, Darnell Washington at two, Michael Mayer at one. I would put Mayer in his own tier with Washington kind of creeping in. I would put Washington in his own tier at tier two. Uh, so Mayer tier one, Washington tier two. I would put Kraft and Kincaid in tier three and then Laporta and Musgrave in tier four. And then it becomes a wide open pool of guys that I watched enough of to know for now, at least pre senior bowl and pre combine that they weren't going to crack the top five. Definitely weren't going to crack the top four. They're just in a different tier. We talked about Will Mallory from Miami a lot over the summer. Um, I've watched Josh Wiley from Cincinnati quite a bit. Cause I thought he would declare last year. So, and these guys are all senior bowl kind of guys. So, and I, I agreed with your take on Davis Allen. I didn't come away, you know, fully swayed one way or the other that the bottom line is you really got to be, either a difference maker in one area or a true jack of all trades like for the next level to go in the top three rounds at tight yeah, end. True, it's, yeah. it's very hard. It's very, very hard. Otherwise you're going to get lost in the day three shuffle. And that's not to take away. Like you look at what Isaiah likely has been able to do in a pinch this year. You look at where a lot of tight ends get drafted and what they turn into. Eventually even likely was clearly like what he brought to the game was plus receiving ability. It was just mm-hmm. a question of like, is this guy an all around tight end? Cause he's more of just a specialized guy, but that's a guy that you see gets an opportunity, breaks out. It's just, tight end is you can you can make a decent NFL career out of being a, being a rotational and depth piece tight end Absolutely. because a lot of, a lot of teams carry you know three tight ends because they're running a lot of different packages. Tight end guys can really fill in on both special teams units, punting and um, and kickoffs. And a lot of these teams will even stash these tight ends four or five deep when you get into practice squad players too. So tight ends can stick around for a long time, but Again, if you don't have a trump card, if you will, if you don't have this like difference-making ability as a run blocker uh, or as a receiver, it's hard to really separate yourself, and you're probably just going to be a day three guy in the shuffle. Did you watch Kate Stover from Ohio State? I did not watch enough of him where I wrote him up. But I, I what I do with guys like that is, I mean, and I'll admit if I was wrong, like if I don't think from what I've seen on broadcast and what I talk to of guys doing the areas or recruiting from an agency perspective, a lot of, you know, 
crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. then I won't I won't put enough time into them for the pre combine eval. I absolutely when we do our final top fives or by then I'll be top tens easily or yeah. final position rankings. Then I'll do that, but it would just be a really big surprise to me if somebody of that level ended up in my top five. So he's just a ball player. Okay. He's he's six foot six, two hundred and fifty-five pounds. I did watch him. Listen to this, all right. Stover was so remember, six foot six, two hundred and fifty-five pounds. Stover was initially recruited to play linebacker at Ohio State. He was a four-star linebacker recruit. But he was moved to defensive end before the start of his freshman season. He played in four games that year before redshirting that season. Stover was then moved back to tight end during spring practice of 2020. He then returned back to linebacker during the 2020 season. Stover was then again moved back to tight end for his redshirt junior year, caught five passes for 76 yards, and 2022 was actually his first full season as a tight end where he did not switch position. So this guy's played linebacker. He's played defensive end and he's played tight end. He is a, he That's is insanity. a, foot, and, and let me tell you the physicality that you would want to see evident from a player who has lived in the trenches, his entire career on both sides of the ball shows up, man. He loves to block. He loves to get his face mask in there on dudes. When he is blocking, he, he, he just loves to erase players. He knows where defensive guys are coming from because he knows the techniques. He knows how they've attacked the line of scrimmage. When he gets the ball in his hands, you know, he's trying to lower the shoulder and break some tackles that way. He's fun, man. He is a fun player. He is a guy who I think is going to be around the NFL for a while. If you have bounced around that many positions and played that many positions, you just love the game and you're just good at the game. So whether he ends up being an impactful tight end or not, like this dude's going to be a potential special teamer at worst for years, years. I wonder if he gets the shrine invite. Uh, The senior bowl list looks full. He's not he's, on the Shrine roster right he's now. A red, he's a redshirt junior, so I'm wondering. Oh, okay, so maybe he'll go back. That uh, might have he been does, another reason. He why. does have another year, and I don't know if he. Okay, I don't think he's not declaring. But I watched him. But I watched him. I just watched. Him. You're you're an animal. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, three let's know- seasons of eligibility. Does he still have three he- seasons? Oh, they counted 2022, so he has two seasons of eligibility. Yeah. After this year. All right, so he's probably not going. But I watched him for fun, and he was fun. At least you had a good time. I had a good time, dude. I had a good time looking up the bio. I had a good time watching the tape, man. It was uh, it was fun to see him kind of bounce around everywhere and just learn that about him. Let us know what you guys think about the tight end class. Let us know what you think about the guys at the very top. If you think one, two, three tight ends are worth taking in the first round or where you see this tight end class shaking up, whether you think it's a depth class or whether you think it is pretty strong at the top. Let us know your rankings. Let us know your thoughts on our thoughts and then just your thoughts individually as well. We'd love to hear from you. If you're watching this on YouTube, best way to do that is in the YouTube comments right below. You can let us know that. We're reading those all the time. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey, at Connor J. Rogers. You can do the same thing on Instagram where uh, we're reading all those messages from you guys as well. Connor, you got anything before we get out of here? No, that's a wrap. We will be back. For most people, it'll be first thing Monday morning. Mm -hmm. If you are a maniac, I think sometimes people get it in the middle of the night uh, for what matters most as we end the regular season. Oh, man. Well, um, survive Vegas, my friend. Uh, Safe travels. Yeah, if I survive Vegas, that happens. Safe safe travels back, and, uh, you know. We'll see that brick wall, and we'll hear those those those, right. uh, those sirens of, of New Jersey's yeah. finest. That's the salute. 
Oh man, I'm here for work, so my chances of making it back are are on the are better than normal. That's good. That better way. than most. Better than most is what we want to hear. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. Early Monday, whether Connor said it's right at midnight or whenever you catch it to talk about everything that we saw in week 18 of the NFL season. I got a feeling, Connor, that the Wednesday episode and the Monday episode might bleed over a little bit now that the order is going to be finalized. And that's what we get to talk about with a lot of these teams. So it is going to be a jam-packed show on Monday. Make sure you don't miss it. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That's Connor Rogers. This has been the NFL Stock Exchange. We'll see you guys then. 